No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning and welcome back to This Is Not A Backup Plan and welcome back to me from the accidental break I took. I had a cold earlier this month and so that delayed me recording a little bit and then the break kind of spiraled. I've been celebrating my birthday a little bit excessively. It was quite wonderful. I did lots of things with friends over the course of a few weeks. I made multiple cakes and I, I don't know, I just really love celebrating and I love that my birthday is in spring because that makes it feel just a little bit extra celebratory to me. It's like the changing of the season and spring always feels like a new beginning to me and I love that. I had a very fun weekend. I spent the day on Saturday with a friend and then I went to a women's professional football game with my friend and one of our professors and we had a great time. And I learned about a very cool project my professor is working on and the plan is to turn the Smith's ball field in downtown Salt Lake into a women's sports complex after the bees leave. And so you can actually vote for that idea right now this week. So I'll put the link in the show notes. I think it's a really cool idea and I loved hearing more about it. And then on Sunday, my sister and I volunteered at a very cool cultural festival in Salt Lake City and we watched a show and just overall it was very nice. And I also spent my whole weekend trying to unclog my toilet. It got clogged on Thursday night for no apparent reason and I tried a lot of things for like three days to try to fix it. And I just was thinking about as it was happening, I'm like, this is one of the worst things that I've dealt with for a long time and I have also had a really good weekend. And I'm just trying more and more to like realize that a bad thing or a frustrating thing happening in my life is is not ruining my life. I am very dramatic and sometimes I just feel like if everything is not going exactly the way I want it to, that things are really bad. And I don't want to think that way because there can be really good things happening in life and really hard things at the hard time. And it's very possible to just navigate both of those things. I'm also very excited because library summer reading challenges are starting over the next few weeks. And honestly, that's my jam. This is my time to thrive. And I cannot wait to earn myself some free books. So this week's episode is an interview I've been very excited about for a while. I interviewed Delaney Dangerfield, who I went to high school with and who I took a sewing class with. A few years ago in 2020, she decided to open a 
fabric store in Salt Lake City. It specializes in apparel and and she teaches clothing making classes. I found out about this through reading a Salt Lake Tribune article. And then when I started following it on social media and I went and visited the store, I finally made the connection that I knew the shop owner. And so I took a class from Delaney with a friend. We had the best time. And I just wanted to learn more about her story, more about what made the shop happen and learn kind of about Delaney's journey with it. So I interviewed her and today you get to enjoy that interview. Good morning, Delaney. Thank you so much for joining me. Will you start out by introducing yourself? Yeah, my name is Delaney Dangerfield. I was born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, attended Harriman High School, which is actually how I met you, and now run a small business called Salt Lake Society. So like you said, we went to high school together. We probably had a few classes together, but what I clearly remember is we took a sewing class together our senior year, which was really fun. And I remember that you were very good. So when I found out that you had opened a store and were teaching classes, I was so excited for you. I was like, this makes a lot of sense for Delaney, but I hadn't kept in touch with you after high school. So I just really want to hear kind of like, what was that journey like? What did you start out doing after high school? Yes, I was definitely like the nerd that ate my lunch in the sewing room so that I could go ahead and continue sewing. So of course you remember me from that class. After high school, I attended the University of Utah. I had thought that sewing didn't really have a lot of career opportunities or at least any viable ones. I thought that everyone who sewed had to then go into the fashion industry. And I knew that wasn't something I was interested in. And so I attended to the University of Utah and studied anthropology and international studies. And after that, I ended up working at a preschool for a little while, which I honestly loved. And when the pandemic hit, that kind of got shut down for a little while. And I found myself just sewing eight hours a day and kind of tumbling into what's called the indie sewing community. So it's a lot of independent designers and makers who connect on Instagram and in other ways, you know, virtually and in person. And it just got me spiraling into this home sewing world. And I really fell in love with it. You know, it was really more I wanted to shop at a store like my own, where you could get really nice apparel fabrics, but see them and touch them in person and not have to pay shipping. That is like my least favorite thing in the world. I just felt like it was a great opportunity. I didn't have anything else going on and didn't have a ton of financial obligations. So I thought, you know, maybe I could start something. That's really cool. I feel like during the pandemic, like there were lots of things that were hard, but there were lots of people who like something they loved, they suddenly had a different space to think about it. So it sounds like that's what happened for you when some of the other things melted away. Yes. And I think too, as a result of pandemic, we were all home. So many people were trying new hobbies. So many people found sewing. And then a lot of people were really desperate to find safe ways to connect with other people. I opened my store in October 2020. So we started offering classes. We continued throughout the pandemic. Obviously, we had different masking requirements and would not include people who had tested positive for COVID or who were feeling sick. But yeah, it was really nice to still have some sense of community throughout all of that. I love the idea that you created a store that you wanted to shop at. I think a quote people like throw around that I don't know where it came from is like, if there's a book you need or a book you want to read that doesn't exist, write it. So like, this is the like business example of this. Can we go back just to the point when you're like, I want to open a shop. What did you start thinking about it? What were you considering? Like, what did that brainstorming and then execution process look like for you? 
Yeah, the big thing for me was trying to find ways that I could test the water a little bit without walking into a bank and taking out a huge financial loan. So I did kind of a GoFundMe sort of thing and received quite a bit of donation there. And that really allowed me financially to be able to do something like this. I should also mention that my partner seriously helped get me started with, you know, financial side of things, because that is really hard. Starting from nothing is incredibly difficult. And I just remember too, there's so much that you have to learn, obviously. But for me, that's something that was really unique that I had to learn was how to source really good fabrics. There was a ton and ton of research that went into that. And lots of swatches mailed to me. You know, I found distributors that I really enjoyed working with. I found others that I didn't love their products as much. And so that was a huge learning curve for me. And I feel like I'm finally to a place where I have enough suppliers and enough like new products coming in and old favorites coming in that that has eased a bit. But yeah, when I first opened, I would say I had maybe 20 fabrics in store. It was very scarce, but I feel like it was just a great starting point and I've really built from there, which has been nice. That's really cool. So when you had this idea, were you just Googling like how to start a fabric store? Were you just Googling like how to source material? How did you start doing that research? Yeah, a lot of times it was Googling. There's so much red tape that goes into starting a business. So that took a lot of going to the Salt Lake City website, trying to figure out how to register my business with them, how to register it with the state, who I had to pay sales tax to. So that was one side of the research process. And then the other side was really researching, you know, wholesale fabric shows. I would go to a fabric show. I can't remember. No, directories maybe to see the list of all the vendors. And then I would contact all of those vendors. One thing that was a unique challenge is since I started mid-pandemic, all fabric trade shows had been put on hold. So I wasn't able to really go and see stuff in person like a lot of people can normally. That's changed now. I have been able to go to a trade show. It's been a lot of trial and error on that side. Also just trying to figure out my focus is really locally with the product. So I want to make sure that I've got stuff that's in season and then also stuff that suits the community. So Right now, I'm really working on trying to build up more technical fabrics because a lot of my customers are kind of like me, right? Where they love to sew, but then they also love hiking or biking or rock climbing, stuff like that. So just trying to find ways to meet the needs of customers is an ongoing (laughs) research project. Well, you were also starting to source fabric during a really weird supply chain point where like it wasn't just the pandemic, but like, oh, we have a boat stuck in a major canal. There were just so many things happening. And so you were getting to learn about supply chains at a point in time where people really didn't know what was going on with the supply chains. Yeah, it's really true. And sometimes it left me, you know, a shipment four months out or not able to come in at all, or who knows when this is going to get here. A lot of my like wholesale distributors are just up in Canada. So that has been kind of nice. That hasn't been disrupted all that much, but there are definitely some where it's okay. We are not sure when this is coming, so we will be flexible. So we talked about like your desire to create the store you wanted to shop at and how you were like looking for those apparel fabrics that you knew that you wanted a store like targeted at making apparel and all the different things that go into that. But how did you kind of conceive of the vision of a place where people could not only buy the materials to make their clothes, but could learn how to make clothes and take such a wide variety of classes? 
Yeah, I think that the teaching side really came naturally for me. I've always really loved teaching people. And I've always said I would much rather teach somebody to sew than sew them something like the old adage of teach a man to fish and he'll eat the rest of his life. Uh, So that part came naturally. And it's honestly been the side of the business that has been really fulfilling for me. It feels like I'm helping to build skill sets in people and build community. And that has been really meaningful. It's so incredibly cool to watch someone go from never sewing anything in their life to then having, you know, a t-shirt that they can wear and make again. It seems like a great way to build a customer base too. There are probably people that like look at the fabric in your store, look at all the cool things you have, but think, oh, I couldn't make it. And then they're not going to be a customer. But if they can take a class that kind of introduces them to like coming back and trying more things. Yeah, I think I realized in hindsight, whereas maybe a business person would have realized up front, oh, if we offer classes, then that will create a customer base that will then self fulfill this business. But for me, that was more of an after realization of like, oh, a lot of the people that are taking classes here end up taking more classes or buy a fabric that they like that they see during us. I also think I did a ton of content on Instagram when I first started. Every Thursday, I would make something using one of our fabrics or a pattern that had been recently released. And I found a lot of people telling me, you know, I saw you make this so many times or like I saw you so a number of different things. And now I feel like I can do it. So that has been cool, too. I would love to hear more about the social media side and how that's been working for you. I feel like that is so necessary right now and that's tricky and maybe people who have a dream like yours find themselves needing to do social media and they didn't exactly bank on it. So how have you been navigating that and kind of what role has it played in your business? Yeah, social media for me is such a double-edged sword. There are aspects of it that I really love. And then there's also aspects where it feels like a massive marketing Ponzi scheme. So I don't know. I would say it's really helped me to be able to do my social media in batches. So I use an app called Planly, and that allows me to plan out a week's worth of Instagram posts. And then it will just post on its own and I don't have to think about it again. So that has been a really big game changer for me. And then I also think a lot of times with social media... In small business, people are trying to go for like a professional marketing. And I definitely am trying to have aspects of that. But I think the beauty of small business is there's a person standing behind the business. It's not some faceless corporation. So I also love sharing about my personal life, about the trips that I go on with Cody. I'm really open about sharing that on social media, especially because a lot of times I have really clear boundaries about closing for the holidays or closing for the week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm closed. And as a retail business, that can be a really difficult decision. But as a small business owner, I can use social media to showcase how I was able to spend time with my loved ones during them. That's really cool. I think your double-edged sword point is like a really good one. Like It's a benefit and it's really hard, but I think the wisdom of part of what you're selling with a small business is yourself and the story. Like That's what is building the interest of why someone would come and shop at your shop where they might spend more than if they went somewhere else or tried something else. And But they're going to have you there helping and things like that. And being able to put that on social media hopefully helps create a connection with the customer. Yeah, I definitely feel like I'm connected to so many of my customers. And it's so fun to just hear about their life journeys as well. The cool thing about sewing is that it brings together so many different types of people. My customers range in age from like 14 all the way up to 70 and a variety of careers and interests. And 
it's really cool to be able to connect with people from such different backgrounds through a shared love of making. That's really, really cool. When I took a class a few weekends ago, and so I was like at your shop the whole time it was open on Saturday. And it was fun to see the variety of people that came in and to like hear what they were making. There were like a lot of men like going to make shorts and I'm like brave soul because the idea of making pants like <laughs> makes me very uncomfortable. So all these people come together, like I'm going to sh- sew myself shorts. I was like, you are like just so courageous. Yeah, I feel like it's really funny too. A lot of times when I get guys in, I'll ask him, what are you making? And this is definitely not to overgeneralize, but so many guys in response will just tell me like a prototype. Whereas if I ask a lot of my female customers, like, oh, what are you making with this? They're going to be like, oh, I think I'm going to make this pattern, but probably change the neckline using this and da, 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 da. And it's so funny to just see kind of the difference between a space where like a woman feels really comfortable and a space that's like pretty female dominated. And so men come in and they're like, very close-lipped about what what's going on. <laughs> it's so interesting. It just must be really fun as someone who... I just was thinking too, like buying fabric is such a fun part of sewing. Like you get to buy more fabric than you could ever use since you're sourcing it and see more projects come to fruition than you could like ever sew in a lifetime. And that must be really cool as a creator to get to play a role in these projects that just as one human, you would never be able to execute. Yeah. I think a lot of times I'm living vicariously through my customers especially during really busy seasons, I might not have as much time to sew personally, but for each of the fabrics that we get in, I really put a lot of work into putting good like pattern recommendations. And a lot of times those are going to be like, okay, what would I sew if I was going to take home this fabric? So then it's really satisfying to see people buy the fabric, make the thing. Yeah. Very cool. We've talked a lot about like community and the community you're building and like the people you're getting to know and like the social media aspect of it. You also beyond the classes do some other cool community events. Tell me a little bit about those, why they were something you wanted to integrate and what role they play in the business and like just what you're trying to create with your shop. Yeah, kind of going back to just the idea of building community. It's really cool with the indie sewing community because we get to all connect online. But I'm not one that really connects well with people online. I would much rather have a face-to-face conversation with somebody. And so the social events that we host are an extension of that. It's honestly just me wanting to hang out with my customers instead of them or helping them with fabric or whatever. So we try and offer a couple bigger events every year. The two biggest events that we have is our Frocktails celebration. Frocktails is held all over the world. So I've just taken on hosting the Salt Lake version of it. And basically, it's just a chance to sew a frock or a dress and then have a cocktail party. And we usually will donate our proceeds from that event to Big Brothers Big Sisters Utah. Not only is it an awesome way for you know makers to connect with each other, but it's a really cool way that we get to reinvest in the community. Our other big event every year is our annual swim party. So every year we'll rent out this private pool and fire up the grill, make burgers, have drinks, go swimming. And that is really fun. It's a much more relaxed, laid back environment than Frocktails, but equally fun. I love that. And it's so cool because you started like in 2020 when there are like so many limits on what we could do. Like it was such a difficult time to try to like take care of each other and like keep things safe, but then also keep businesses open. It just was such a hard time. And now like you're evolving into like your third year and just the opportunities in the landscape have completely changed. 
Yes, completely. And I also think that my customer base has grown a lot, which is so fun. The first year that I held the pool party, I think a total of five people came and we were all just laughing like, okay, you know what? Next year is going to be so much bigger. Let's just enjoy it while it's nice and small. And yeah, our second year, we ended up having 25 people come. So it's been really cool to just see this community grow, see people, you know, be willing to put themselves out there a little bit more and meet other makers. Tell me more about how your business has been like growing and evolving. What do you feel like have been some of those biggest changes from October 2020 to now? I just feel like I'm constantly on my toes trying to figure out what's going to happen next, to be honest. We're back to some sense of normal, but there's definitely still a number of challenges. To be honest, like the biggest challenge I have every year is figuring out taxes, something that is like so fundamentally easy if you just have a W-2 becomes so incredibly complicated when you're self-employed and you have the business taxes to do and your personal taxes to do. So I'm finding ways to put better systems in place so that I'm able to focus really on what I love, which is the fabric sourcing, the class planning, all of that kind of stuff. I also think that it's a little bit of a challenge as we continue to grow because a lot of people love that my shop is kind of just big enough that it's a curated selection. You have some variety, but you're not overwhelmed. So it's hard to balance that with being able to get in all of the different fabrics that I want to carry. That makes a lot of sense. Like your shop is very sweet and figuring out how to add more fabric to it right now is probably a huge challenge just with the basics of square footage. Yes, it's true. And I had, or kind of thinking about renting out a different space for my second year. Oh no, I guess we're in my third year, but it was coinciding with me and Cody house shopping. And that was just like so much to balance. So again, I think it's one of those things where as a small business owner, like my personal life bleeds over into my business a lot and vice versa. So we're in our same space now. We'll see how long we're here for. I love the location of where we're at. And I also think that it's a good thing, to be honest, to be able to limit what we carry because it really makes sure that we have only things that are in season and going to be high quality. That makes a lot of sense. I think you make a really good point too, that like when you have a small business, like that is part of your personal life and the seasons of what you can do for your business are going to have to be different than the seasons that's going on in your life. There's going to be give and take with both of those in a different way than it is when you're in a job, when some of the big things like other people are taking care of and you don't have to be on the forefront of. That is completely it. And it's nice to get to a point in the business where I can figure out, okay, when is our busier seasons? And just telling myself like some weeks I'm going to work 60 hours and then some weeks I'm really only going to work 40 or 30 hours and just relaxing into the ebb and flow of business and also just life, right? Life that has its crazy seasons, life has its relaxing seasons. And so just enjoying them as they come. What are some of like your hopes or some of the things that like you're looking forward to or excited for about your business? That's a good question. I think when I started this business, I really had no like long-term plan. And I'm getting to a point where I'm like, okay, what is our long-term plan? I think taking each year as it comes has been really nice for me. I really hope to continue growing the community of people who love sewing their own clothes. That's really meaningful to me. I also really enjoy kind of the fabric sourcing side of things. So continuing to find high quality and unique 
things that people want to sew with. So maybe just continuing on as normal, (laughs) maybe is that a bad answer? I hope things continue on just in this general direction that we're headed. I honestly think that's a great answer. I've just been thinking a lot and listening to other people talk a lot about the idea that like in our country's culture and under capitalism, there's this idea that like everything needs to grow. And just this idea of like, maybe if things just keep going, like that's a really good success. Do I need everything to grow all the time or can they like exist? Can they just be like the idea of unlimited growth is very overwhelming to me. And I think to a lot of people. Yes. And I think it's also not very practical or sustainable. So one of the goals that I have for myself is making this business like a long-term sustainable thing for me. You know, I'm in my twenties now. I don't have kids. So it's easy for me to be able to work every night until 8 PM, but that could change. And I think that if you are constantly striving for growth in terms of capital growth or like customer-based growth, then sometimes you miss out on other opportunities for growth. And like you're working so hard to develop communities. So like if you are developing a deeper connection with your customers who come back for more classes and who are more integrated, like that is a different kind of positive outcome that maybe doesn't exponentially look bigger on a spreadsheet. Yes, that is such a great point. The bottom line is not the people that you're serving, right? So it's not always reflective of how business is actually going. What would you want to give as advice to someone who maybe was in a similar position as you had a community they love, something they wanted to be a part of, and maybe wanted to create a store or a service that didn't exist, but that would fill a need or a passion that they had? Yeah, I think the advice that I would give is to get your ducks in order to a degree But then at some point you do just have to go for it and it's scary and it's hard and you have to work a lot, but you'll never know unless you give it a shot. I definitely work a lot in my job, some weeks more than others, but there's rarely a day where I'm not excited to be doing what I love and making a living off of that. Will you tell people where they can find you and your shop on social media and on the internet so that they can check you out? Yeah, you can find our website at www.saltlakesociety.com. And society, I should mention, is spelled S-E-W-C-I-E-T-Y. You can also find us on Instagram at Salt Lake Society. And I believe we're on Facebook under the same name at Salt Lake Society. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Delaney. Thank you, Maddie. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to Delaney for your time. I had such a great time chatting with you. Please remember to like and share this podcast. Remember to read it, to give it five stars and to leave a review. It really helps people with finding the podcast. You can find me on social media. The podcast is on Instagram at not a backup plan. And I'm also on Twitter at Madeline K. And you might find a little bit there, but truly I've been using it a lot less since the Elon Musk change. And I kind of don't miss all the time I would spend scrolling on it. But feel free to reach out to me there. You could also email me. My email is K at gmail.com. And I can't wait to chat with you in a few weeks. In the meantime, remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B. Bye.